Welcome to another episode of My Medicine. I have not posted an episode in a while, so I wanted to come on here and share about my most recent solo date. I have been starting to take myself out on solo dates to rebuild self-trust, and I love doing things that are new and conquering fears and just trusting myself that I can handle things. So this episode will be about my most recent solo date in a sensory deprivation chamber, and I will be talking about that as well as some revelations. I actually already recorded this. That's Poppy Girl in the background. I already recorded this, but something happened to the recording, so I decided to film it. So if you want to see my face as I share, you can go to my YouTube. If you don't know what my YouTube is, make sure to go to my Instagram, Lizzie B. Loved, L-I-Z-Z-I-E-B-E-E. Loved, L-O-V-E-D. And if you go to my link in my bio, it will shoot you over to my YouTube. I think my YouTube is the same, but I'm not 100% sure. But anyways, we'll be getting into this story. And because the original recording didn't work, I'm taking that as a sign that it's meant to be re-recorded and... It will be not only on my Spotify, so if you are actually tuning in from YouTube, you can also listen to the audio-only version on Spotify or Google Podcasts, and the podcast is called My Medicine. So I want to share about my most recent solo date. I take myself out on solo dates on Fridays usually. Friday is dedicated to me and is really important that I have time for myself, that I get to do things that I love and to do them on my own. You'll see this theme popping up as I share. You'll see it as I share even on Instagram. Just anywhere is that balance and seeing the balance And the contrast in the universe has been something that I've been noticing more and more. The reason I take myself out on solo dates is because I would never do anything alone. I, for a period, would very much depend on my partner. My partner, Cameron, I've been with him for over five and a half years. And for a period, I have depended on him to do almost everything for me except for wipe my ass. And (laughs) I would depend so heavily on Cameron that I wouldn't trust myself, couldn't trust myself to do anything. I didn't think that I was capable of doing anything on my own and for myself. So, you know, at some point things had to get so bad that I needed to change things around. For myself and part of that is taking myself on these solo dates and I try to do things that I've never done before on my own so another part of it uh, another part of the rebuilding self-trust is also 
doing things that scare me, doing new things, which really builds that self-trust and feeling the fear and doing it anyway. I like to do new things and I also like to challenge myself and do things I've never done before. I love listening and sharing different perspectives and experiencing different perspectives. So this solo date was especially intriguing. And it's funny how I even found this deprivation chamber. I have had this seed planted in my mind of wanting to experience a sensory deprivation chamber or pod. I'll be referring to it as a pod for a while. And Cameron's shoulder, this happened last Friday. So Cameron's shoulder had been really irritating him. And there's this spa down the road that they're doing heavily discounted rates for first time goers. And Cameron wanted to get a massage. And then I heard that they had a sensory deprivation chamber. So I was like, perfect. I'll go and I'll do that over there as my solo date on Friday. So if you don't know what a sensory deprivation chamber is, it's like this big pod. It's kind of like a large bathtub, but it's filled with salt, like water that's has a bunch of salt in it. You know, <laughs> not regular salt, but like bath salts, you know, uh, And basically, it's like this chamber that you float in. It can be as dark as you want it to be so that you can't see, you can't hear, you are weightless. And it's basically a perfect spot for anybody to be alone with their thoughts. Whether that's something that you like to do is up to you. But Before going into this sensory deprivation chamber, I really needed to get some earplugs for my ears. I have this weird thing that if I spend a lot of time in water, the water will go into my ears and I'll get the worst headache and it feels terrible. So going to CVS to get the silicone earplugs was really important as well as getting a shower cap because I want to try to preserve my dyed hair as much as I possibly can. So we go into, I, I, so if I say we, I'm talking about the different facets of me that make up my, my one human. So I go into this, uh, building where the spa is and it's gorgeous, super magical and whimsical and there's plants everywhere and it's an amazing vibe and then the person showing me takes me to this room it's a private room just for me with the big pod the deprivation chamber pod in there as well as a shower so that I could rinse off so I originally you know rinsed off before I got in the pod. So the pod, even though it's sensory deprivation chamber, it also had features like color changing lights on the inside as well as music. And I started off with both of those things on. 
I turned the light in the room off and then I decided that I really want to take advantage of this experience. So I decided to turn off the music and turn off the lights. And this is where the balance comes in and you're going to see me talk more about this a little later, but I have noticed that things usually start off pretty uncomfortable and pretty not as great. So when I started off in the chamber, I was feeling really anxious, partially because the woman had told me that I had an hour and that the jets would go off after my hour. So I was really anxious in my body about when those jets would go off. I figured they were going to be these intense jets that I would suffocate under and had my mind on the time that I couldn't even focus on being where I was, you know, and being present. So that was one of the things that I was trying to get past as well as feeling that lack of self-trust bubbling up. So the first thing I did was think to myself, Lizzie, this won't last for, or this will last for three hours because in my mind, an hour felt like a minute and I was just super anxious for the jets and the bubbles to go off. So I was like, Lizzie, you have all the time in the world. And it was funny because I could visualize my ego and my ego was very much like Velma from Scooby-Doo. Velma, who analyzes everything, has and shares all of the possible problems to anything, all of the possible solutions, anything that can possibly go wrong, was just all coming up in this pod. And I visualized myself giving Velma, my ego, a big hug, and she kind of settled down. And that's kind of when self-trust issues within myself were bubbling to the surface. So I was thinking to myself, you know, there's a reason why I don't trust myself. And that's because I've put myself into some situations that I should have, I, I should have never been in. And I have repeated past mistakes and I've put myself into some just some shitty situations so this was my opportunity to kind of rebuild that self-trust and in that pod I made a commitment to myself and a promise to myself that you know I can't commit and promise that I'm going to be perfect all the time and that I'm never going to make a mistake I can't do that but I can promise you that certain situations, experiences, and traumas will never happen again. And when I say that, I am referring to this trip slash vacation, quote unquote, that I went on when I was about 21. And if you have listen to my first episode of this podcast. It's called My Story, and it has a lot of this story in it. But basically, long story short, I went to Vegas and LA with my dad and my stepmom. 
my stepmom and I already had a very challenging relationship. We're just so close in age. We're closer in age than me and my father. I feel like there's some insecurity, jealousy going on, not just on her side, but also on my side. And, you know, we were in LA and Vegas. I didn't have any alone time. I was nauseous the whole week. And it was miserable. They basically treated me like I didn't exist. They treated me like I was the biggest burden on the fucking planet. And it was terrible. I felt terrible. And it was the worst week of my life. So <laughs> basically in that pod, I was just thinking back to my worst, the week, worst week of my life. And, you know, I've tried to rebuild that relationship with my father and I found myself putting myself in similar situations and and my mind was like how can I trust you if you're gonna keep doing this you know and that's kind of when I made that promise that I promise that those traumas are not gonna repeat themselves you know I'm a completely different person and I would never allow that shit to fucking happen ever again So that's when my body was kind of like, okay, now I can, you know, relax. At some point, though, in the beginning, I was getting salt water in my eye and it was burning. So that was part of the uncomfortableness in the beginning. Luckily, they had fresh water in there with the towel and I could clean my eyes out and not have that burning sensation. But after I started, I cleaned that out and I was, I made that promise to myself that, you know, you can trust me. I will not let that shit fucking happen ever again. I promise you. And after that, I remember talking to myself and being really nice to myself and celebrating myself of how far I've come. And just loving myself. And that is also kind of a new practice that I've been incorporating into my life is really celebrating myself, seeing how far I've come, and loving myself. Because for a really long time, I spoke pretty poorly to myself. And that definitely contributed to the lack of self-trust that I had. So... Part of that rebuilding self-trust is being really nice to myself, treating myself like I would treat my own child or my bestest friend, you know, and knowing that I'm worth, I'm worth that. And I deserve all of the amazing things that life has to offer, including positive affirmations and loving myself. So after I was doing that, saying loving things, you know, because I say so many nice things to myself, right? I try to fill my subconscious with these really lovely thoughts and sending love to all parts of my myself. Because before my subconscious was filled with 
anger and lack of self-trust and saying the worst things that anybody would ever say to anybody. And all of that stuff was happening in my head. So again, kind of sharing that, that pendulum and the balance is it, it has had to get so bad the way that I treated myself so that I could realize that it's really important for me to treat myself with love, unconditional love. And when I was doing that, you know, I also want to remind you, I am in the pitch black. I can't hear anything. I can't see anything. I am alone with me and my thoughts. Also realized that because it was so dark and I was weightless, it really felt like I was in space. It felt like I was just floating in the galaxy somewhere, being held by the universe, you know, feeling weightless. I really felt like I was part of the stars. And I was thinking about actually my childhood self. I have been taking this course to create a premium program to help other people achieve personal freedom like I have. And part of that course, one of the ladies had said, you know, you likely knew that you were here to play a big role when you were a young kid. And in that pod, I was thinking back and I have the most vivid memory of this. Usually don't have many memories of my childhood at all, but this one comes crystal clear to me. And I remember maybe a 10 or 11-year-old Lizzie was riding her bike from the beach. My dad lives slash lived on Cape Cod. So I was about a mile away from the beach. And I remember turning onto my road and thinking to myself, first of all, I am going to die young. I don't know how it's going to happen. I just know that I'm going to die young around the age that my parents were when they had me. And I'm not sure why I thought that, but part of it was because I couldn't visualize myself as an adult. I had no idea what I would be doing for the rest of my life. You know, I would go through these phases of, well, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a makeup artist. I want to be a therapist. I want to handle money, that kind of thing. So when I was that age, I really had no idea what my job would look like. But I also knew that I was here to make a big, big impact and be an integral part of the world and how it was changing. You know, I I knew I was going to be famous for something. I I'm not famous yet, but I just, I, tr- I trust that that Lizzie kind of knew what was going on. To me, I think children are the most themselves and then, you know, society, family, conditioning gets in the way and we get further and further away from ourselves. But younger me knew I was here to make a big impact. 
And then I was thinking about the word hope and how I would get really triggered by that word. You know, there have not been many words that I've been, that I've hated. (laughs) I don't want to say that word, but that I've disliked so much and hope has been very much one of them. And the reason that is, is because my ex-boyfriend's name, his last name was Hope. Sorry to give that away. It's hard not to. But I was dating this person for three and a half years in high school. And in college, he kind of texted me and broke up with me and totally blindsided me. Didn't really give me a reason. I still don't have a reason. Not that I need one, but... Needless to say, I was really turned off by the word hope. And then I'm thinking about the situation that I was born into. In the pod, I'm imagining the situation that I was born into. And I was born into a pretty hopeless hopeless situation. I So this is another one of those things. If you haven't listened to my first episode of, on my podcast... The way that I was conceived and brought into the world was definitely unconventional. My my dad and my mom were both 25 and they had met in Connecticut at this club and they were dancing together and that's how they met. My mom had to move back to Texas because that's where she was living at the time and my dad begged my mom, you know, please come live with me. Move move here and be with me. I I want to be with you. That kind of thing. And eventually my mom gives in and she moves all the way from Texas to Connecticut, you know, cross country for this man. And she realizes that she, as soon as she gets there, that he's married and she's livid because my dad forgot to mention that detail that he was married and she was pissed. But They had sex. My mom says, this is the last time you're ever going to have sex with me. You know, this is it. I'm done. And my dad takes a gun into the bathroom and threatens to kill himself. That's the story I know. I'm not saying it as truth. That's just what I've been told. But, again, needless to say that I was born into a pretty hopeless situation. Two people that were definitely not quote-unquote ready to be parents, you know, almost as unfit as they can get. And then comes me. So when I talk about that balance and in a world of suffering, you know, I would surround myself with people who thought that life, the meaning of life was suffering. And that was the only point of life was to suffer. And I would think that for myself for a really long time. And I was pretty hopeless and didn't really see the point of it all. You know, especially as a, as a child, I... I had really amazing memories, but I also think that 
childhood, at least for me, was the most challenging part of my life, at least so far. And another huge reason why I am so determined to, you know, be free and experience freedom and heaven is because I've been through the fucking pits of hell. And, you know, as a child, I was pretty hopeless. Didn't have that freedom. I didn't even have control over myself, you know. I was manipulated and abused and treated pretty terribly, pretty unconsciously by both of my parents. I love them. I know they love me. But the way that I was treated was something that I will never repeat, I hope. And just remembering that I would never, ever go back in time and be a child ever again. I never want to be under someone else's control. I want to be able to decide things for myself. I want to be able to stand up for myself. I made myself so small. And, you know, kind of the point of what I'm sharing right now is that I think that things usually start off pretty rough. And that can be in any case or circumstance or experience anything. You know, usually for me, at least, it starts off pretty terrible. And it starts as suffering. But I have realized that you know, it's it's up to me to kind of save myself. I was thinking about Disney princesses too, and I am a princess. <laughs> but usually Disney princesses, they're usually saved by men. But in my story, you know, I was definitely the one that saved myself. I've had a lot of people kind of show me the right direction, but at the end of the day, it's just it's it's always been me. And part of ending that suffering for myself has been choosing to save myself. Not that I knew that that's what I was doing, but being in such a hopeless situation, in a situation that I had zero control and I felt like I was in prison, really has driven me to hold on to hope, to trust and to unlock that personal freedom for myself. And it's something that I'm really passionate about. And I'm also very passionate about sharing with as many people as possible too. So going back to that word hope. You know, there's a reason why I was so turned off by that word. There's a reason why my ex... Uh, that was his last name. And the reason I was so fucking, I hated that word for a long time. But like, he just reflected what was in what was within me, you know, and my mom always tells me, you know, you saved my life. You know, I didn't do anything. I was just being born and it just kind of turned my mom's life around a bit. 
and it could have gone down a different direction. So she says that I changed her life. And in this dark ass chamber, I am realizing that I am a symbol of hope. I have been a symbol of hope for my mom. I've been a symbol of hope for my dad since I was born. And however many people, I don't know how many, but to be able to reclaim that word for myself has been really, really powerful. To have achieved this personal freedom and this happiness and this heaven that I'm currently living in, I have realized that I that is my role. My role is to be a sense of hope that freedom and happiness is possible because without hope it's a pretty dark it's a dark place to be in and I have experienced a lot of time where I didn't feel any hope I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel and it was pretty daunting for me you know in a world of suffering the only thing that anybody can really hold on to is hope and when that hope is not it's not visible it can feel like the darkest loneliest place in the world though i may not be a symbol of hope for many people well i don't want to say that for all people not everyone's going to resonate with me but to be a symbol of hope for even my younger self for anybody who just can't see that light at the end of the tunnel, if I can be that light and I can say, you know, life isn't meant to be suffering. It's meant to be happy and joyful and free. To be that symbol of hope for any amount of people is an incredible honor. And I was thinking about me again in this pitch black pod right? Like I am the light in the darkness. I am the light that is in this, in the darkness of this pod in this society in the universe. I am one of, I am, I am light. And, you know, as a younger version of me, I would find signs of hope in like YouTubers that I'd watch or reality shows, people who were sharing their lives on camera and people who are sharing vulnerable vulnerably and openly those people I really found hope in and you know those people gave me something to hold on to so for me to be that even if it's just for my younger self right now is an incredible honor and I hope that I can shine the light on the darkness and be that hope for anybody who is feeling without at any point because it's hard to live life when there is no light at the end of the tunnel and I've experienced that many times but it's incredible that I get to turn it around and reframe that in my mind and be that person. So in that 
in that chamber, I was really thinking about this role that I get to step into now and how, you know, I am a symbol of hope that freedom and happiness is possible has been really transformational for me. And I'm able to like step into this new role just by being in this freaking pod, you know? For a minute though, I was thinking about my younger self and the challenges that she's gone through and just crying for her for a bit. So I definitely was crying for a bit in the in the pod, but I think it was also mixed with happy tears and how fucking far I've come. And I'm not some sort of anomaly. I don't think that I am, you know, an outlier. I don't think I'm, it's just me, you know? I think anybody is capable of this. And to be able to dedicate my life to sharing what I've found to hopefully giving as many other people hope that it gets better is very amazing and I'm so so grateful so that was a really wonderful part of this and literally I like was in the darkness so I was like coming out of the darkness and you know when by the time the the chamber I was done with my chamber I was in there for an hour and the jets weren't crazy or anything it was just like little bubbles and I was like okay cool it's over I'm like coming out of I'm coming out like soaking wet I really like it literally felt like I was being reborn and coming out as this new newfound reflection of myself that like I like hope you know I am hope and you know I rinsed off before I left and felt gravity was really fucking weird after I got out of that pod but I felt really amazing and as soon as I got in the car it was 12 30 and I always look at ascending numbers so that's one two three and it's like moving forward. We're moving forward. And if anybody is curious about like experiencing mushrooms, I feel like the closest thing to experiencing mushrooms without actually consuming them is a deprivation chamber experience. Because it really just, you're alone with your thoughts. There's really not much else to do. And it starts pretty uncomfortable, just like the mushrooms, just like anything. Seriously, like, many of my mornings start off pretty rough. But if you can hold on and work through those, whatever's coming up, processing it, not shoving it down, you will be perfectly fine. But... I recommend it to anybody who is familiar with meditation, anybody who wants to try mushrooms without really consuming them, anybody who wants to relax, anybody who likes the water. It's amazing. It's an amazing experience. Anybody who wants to be alone with their thoughts, highly recommend. And yeah, 
Also, highly recommend anybody to go on a solo date. It doesn't have to be a deprivation chamber. It could be anything you want. It could be the most fun thing that you could possibly ever want to do. But being able to do things on my own, at least, has been amazing in terms of rebuilding self-trust and trusting that I can handle that stuff. But I'm going to close this off for now. I will be sure to share any more solo dates that have been transformational for me or just sharing anything that comes up. I appreciate you listening. Uh, Just to plug some of the things that I have, I am coming out with a premium program at some point to help newly awakened goddesses release themselves from societal pressure so they can be free and live heaven on earth, live their heaven on earth. I also have a Patreon where I share vulnerably. I actually publish new journal entries. My entry started April 17, 2021. So I share very openly and vulnerably with my entries. I post new entries every week. Patreon.com slash Lizzie B Diaries. My Instagram is Lizzie, L-I-Z-Z-I-E-B-E-E, loved, L-O-V-E-D. And I hope to see you there. Thank you for watching, friends. Sending you love.